If you were here last week, you, you know how fun and how good that was to celebrate that. And if you weren't here, you got to see a little bit. But remember, if you miss a Sunday, you miss a lot. So, just saying, I have nothing coming up here. There we go. <laughs> it's going to be really short. If you have a worship folder, I'd like you to take your worship folder and inside is an outline. It's like this without the answers on it that you can kind of follow along on and and a couple places to take notes there. What we're going to do is we're going to quickly continue what we started the week before last. It was going to be last, the week before last was choosing generosity when you feel stingy. And generosity was, remember, it was not just about money. It was about everything, time, talent, treasure. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to very quickly recap what we did like, and you'll, if you weren't here or didn't get the notes, you'll have to write fast. We're going to walk through it quick to get to where we finish so that we can um, continue this week. This is kind of where, this week is going to be where the rubber meets the road. So I'm not going to read Matthew 25, 14 to 30 again. You can go back and read that today. That's the story of Jesus um, uh, telling, he's telling a parable, but he's teaching them about the kingdom. He's teaching them what it's going to be like. They're asking him questions like, when, when are you going to come back? Because um, he's talking about the fact that he's going to leave and he's going to come back. And when are you going to come back and set up your kingdom? And he's giving them some information via story so that they understand, here's what it's going to be like. And so what, we do, what we've done is we've taken from this story, it's called the parable of the talents. He gives one guy five talents, the, the owner is going away. He gives one guy five talents, one guy two talents, and one guy one talent. And we, we talked about this. A talent is not necessarily, I have a talent. You know, I can juggle. That's a talent. Um, that is a talent. In this story, a talent is actually a weight of measure. And it's probably close to what a person weighs. And uh, I'll get into that in, in just a second. Um, so we're, we're using the word talent because that's the word that's in the Bible, but it's not, don't think of it as something I can do. Think of it, um, well, as I jump into it, you'll see, you'll see what it means. We looked from this passage, we started looking at seven principles that um, are for generously investing your life, all of your stuff, your time, talent, treasure, everything. Here's the first principle, ownership. Everything I have really belongs to God. Everything I have really belongs to God. It's not really mine. It's on loan to me. It's been given to me. Because when I'm dead and gone, it's still going to be here. I don't get to take it with me. I just get to use it while I'm here. And I need to understand everything really belongs to God. In verse 14 of that passage, it said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. That's what God has done for us. Everything you have, you have because he has entrusted his property to you. The second principle was allocation. Allocation is God has given me some unique talents. And we talked about the talents. And, and it's easy to think we have this five-talent guy, and he did such amazing things. And then we have the two-talent guy. He doubled his too. The one-talent guy, he wasn't given very much. A talent, as I said, is a weight of measure. It's about what a person weighs in gold. He gave these servants, even the one-talent guy, the equivalent in today's money of literally millions of dollars. It wasn't just, I'll give you this and here's five bucks. See what you can do with it until I come back. More than this guy had ever seen in his lifetime. 
and would ever make in his lifetime. That's what he was entrusted with. And the truth is, you've been given something unique too. We talked about how there's like six to 800 different talents, and whether you recognize it, you have at least 200 different talents. So I don't recognize that. That's because it's natural to you. It's normal to you. You do something that you can do. Somebody else looks at that and says, man, I wish I could do that. Because we're all different. It says the one he gave uh, five talents in verse 15, another two talents, another one talent, each according to his ability. And in Romans it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So it doesn't matter if you're a a five-talent or two-talent or one-talent person or a 20-talent person or a 500-talent person. It doesn't matter. We all have some unique gifts. The third principle is accountability. God expects me to use my talents. They're not just given to me to use for my own selfish purpose. He invested in you. He considered you a good investment. Romans 14 says each of us will give an account of himself to God. We will give an account and stand before him. Jesus reminds us in verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts. God is going to do that. You may think he's not because it's taken so long, but he's gonna. Remember we talked about preparing for the final exam and how when you stand before God, when you leave this earth um, and enter the next life, you're going to stand before God and there's going to be two questions. The first one is the most important question in the universe. What did you do with my son Jesus? He's not going to ask you what church you went to. He's not going to ask you if, if um, you made sure that you were in church X number of times per year. He's not going to ask you what religion you were. He's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. So that question determines your destiny, your eternal destiny, and that's not decided then. That's decided now in this life. The second question that he asks you is, What did you do with what you were given? Because each of us were given something. We were each entrusted with with stuff, talents, time, talent, treasure, a little bit of everything. And you can compare yourself to other people, but God's not going to ask you what you did in comparison to other people. He's going to say, what did you do with what you were given? Whether it was little or much, it doesn't matter. What what did you do with what you were given? That's the principle of accountability. And then fourth was utilization. It's wrong for me to bury what God gave me. It's wrong for me to not use it for his purposes. The first guy doubled his talents. The second guy doubled his talents. The third guy could have done that, but he was scared, so he buried his talents. There are way too many people. They have been given resources from God. They have been given time, talent, treasure from God, and they don't use it. They don't use it for him. They bury it. Now, they might be really busy, but they're not using it for him. And you remember the master's reaction to that guy. You wicked, lazy servant. He didn't lose the money. He was scared of losing it, so he buried it. The point is, what you were given, you were given to use. That involves risk. If it didn't involve risk, he wouldn't have been scared and buried it. It involves risk. That was the fourth principle. That's where we stopped last week. So now we're picking that up where we, where we stopped last week, and we're going to look at the fifth principle of just living generously when you feel like not. The fifth principle is motivation. The motivation is fear. It is fear that keeps me from using my talent. You have what God has given you, and it says in verse 25, I was afraid. 
And so I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. There are actually, there's three kinds of fear. Fear is what keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. There's three kinds of fear. The first one is self-doubt. Self-doubt is where I say, I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that. I just, I can't do that. If I tried that, I would fail. Nobody wants to fail. We have a fear of failure. We talk about this when we have our staff meetings. I said, I expect you as a staff to be failing on a regular basis. Because if you're not failing, you ain't trying anything new. You're not trying anything hard. Now, I don't expect you to fail in the same thing every week. That's a whole other conversation that we need to have. But if we're not trying anything new, we don't fail. And when we have the fear of failure, when we have that self-doubt and I can't do it, that's when we bury our talent. And we don't use it for what God wants us to do because we're afraid. The second kind of fear is self-consciousness. You may have some talent, you may have some resource, you may have something, but you don't want to use it because you're not sure what other people are going to think about it. That's self-consciousness. That's, oh, if I do this, what are they going to think about me? The truth is, the only thing that's important is what God thinks about you. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about you. It's what God thinks about you. So there's self-doubt, self-consciousness. The third type of fear is probably the toughest, most debilitating, and that's self-pity. Self-pity is when I've tried things in the past, Tim, and I failed. It didn't go good. I messed up. Maybe I messed up big time, and now God can't use me. And people, I have had people tell me this. They feel like, at best, I'm on God's, like, B team or C team, and I can't be on the A team anymore. And that could not be further from the truth. That's a fear that doesn't come from God, that keeps us from using what he's given us to use because we're afraid. I failed before, I might fail again. We're afraid. What are people going to think about me? We're afraid. I, I just, I don't know what to do. I can't do this. Matthew, the, the verse 25 where it says, I was afraid. Here's, here's the, the verses surrounding that, 24 and 25. The man who had received one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seeds, so I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, but do you see what he's doing? He's blaming his boss. It's your fault. That's what he's saying. I knew that you were like this, and I didn't want this to happen, so I did this. He's blaming his boss. He's justifying, it's your fault, sir, that I failed. Because you're a hard man. I knew it was that way, so I hid it in the ground. It's your fault. The reason I failed is because you're so unreasonable. That's literally what he's saying. So here's my question to you today. Who are you blaming for your lack of serving God? You're not stepping up and doing what God made you to do and shaped you to do. Who are you blaming for that? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for your not being in the center of God's will? I hear it all the time. If I had just married someone else, I could have been a great Christian. If I could have just... I'm not saying that, okay? I said I hear people say that. Like, maybe Julie, but I hear people say, if I could have just gotten married, 
then I would have gone really far in this world. Or if I'd had different parents, that's what my kids say, then I would really have amounted to something in this life. If I hadn't gone through that divorce, then maybe I would have been able to make something of my life. You know what I have to say to any of those things? Quit blaming other people. You are as close to God as you choose to be. No more and no less. You are as spiritual as you want to be. You can't blame anybody else. God's waiting there for you. If you're close to God, it's because you've chosen to be close to Him. If you're far from Him, it's because you've moved, not Him. So stop blaming other people. It's fear that always causes me to make excuses for why I haven't done more with my life. It's fear that causes me to blame other people for the problems that I experience in my life and why I can't do more with what I'm doing with my life. So that's the fifth thing. Here's the sixth principle. Application. You know what this is. You could repeat it. If I don't use it, I lose it. It says in verse 28, take the talents from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. It's like, whoa. The guy who had the most... That's who the the master gave it to. It's like, well, he can trust him. He knows what he's going to do with it. The principle of use it or lose it is a universal principle. It's true in so many areas of our life. It's true with muscles. If I don't use my muscles, I lose my muscles. You know I've had this rotator cuff thing, so I've been babying it. So I did something the other day that I've done a million times and I went to lift this thing that I lifted a million times. It's like, boy, that gravity got really heavy right there at that moment. That's never been a problem before because if you don't use it, you lose it. That's why doctors now, they don't want you to lay in bed you know, for weeks after something. They want you to get out of bed. They don't want you lying flat. They want you using your muscles because if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't exercise Your muscles go away. Your money, same thing. If you don't invest it, you're going to lose it. Your mind. If you don't learn to think, if you don't use your mind, you will lose your mind. You get duller and duller as you get older because your mind is like a muscle. And you have to keep it exercised and growing. You have to keep doing things that stretch that. You know, if you have anything, any kind of a talent, and you refuse to practice, that talent's not going to get better. It's going to go away. The opposite is also true. If you do use it, you get more of it. That's the principle. If I use my muscles, they get bigger. If I take a little bit of money and I invest it, it gets bigger. That's true in every area of life. When you use it, it multiplies. That's how things work. Hebrews 13.21 says, God says this, I will equip you with all you need for doing my will. You say, I can't do God's will. Well, then you're making God a liar because he said he'll give you everything you need to do that. That's a promise. So here's the question. What do you need more of? Is there anybody here who needs more energy in their life? It's just me. Anybody who needs more time in your life? How about more money? How about more talent? Here's the secret. 
whatever you need more of. Take the little you've got and start using it in serving other people unselfishly. And God will multiply it. Is there a risk? Yes. That's why the third guy hid it. There's a risk. God wants us to step out and do that. When we start using it to serve Him, and we serve Him by serving others, God will multiply it, I promise. You say, I don't have time to serve other people. I'm too busy. I don't have time to minister. I don't have time to do something on Sunday. I don't have time to get all the things that I need to do done. You know why? It's because God never meant for you to be a selfish little clod who spends all your time on yourself. That's not what we were made to be. Why would God give you more time if you're just going to spend it on you? It's kind of like the principle of tithing. The first 10% of all we make goes back to God. We bump that a little even, a little more. Why do we do that? Why have we done that for so many years? Because when I give 10%, when I give that first 10% back to God, God has consistently for decades taken the other 90% and made it stretch far further than I could have ever stretched the 100%. I have a video I could show you right now of how God does that. It's a really good video. I'll save that till next week. You have to come back next week to see that. That's true of your money. It's true of your time. It's true with your talent. It's true with anything in life. If you don't use it, you lose it. The way you get more is you invest what little you've got. If you don't have enough time in your life, you really need to start serving because what that means is you're out of balance. It's like take in, take in, take in. That's not what we're designed to do. The seventh, the final principle is compensation. If I use my talent wisely, I will be rewarded. This is huge. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. We've heard those words many times before. You stand before Jesus and we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's where this comes from, this story. That's what it's going to be like when we stand before him. Those are the words we want to hear. If I use my talent wisely, I will be recorded, uh, recorded, rewarded. Don't record it. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. And I think that's interesting because you remember how much these guys were given? Millions. And at the end, he's going to say, you were faithful with a few things. In our perspective, it's huge. In God's perspective, that was just a little. He says, now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. The reward is going to be mind-blowing more than we could ever imagine. He says, come and share your master's happiness. This verse gives us three, reward, three rewards that God's going to give us when we use our talents in ministry to serve others, when we unselfishly serve to make a difference and a contribution in the world, to serve God by serving others. Here's the first reward. We get the affirmation of God. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. God says, good job, well done. That a boy, that a girl. That's what we want to hear. The affirmation of God in your life is far more important than any other affirmation you can get from anybody else. If you're still living to try to please your mom or dad, stop it. Live to please God. Live for an audience of one. 
And when we selfishly, self, selflessly give of ourselves, of our time, talent, and treasure, and invest that, we get God's affirmation. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. The second reward that we get is God's promotion. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. This is interesting. You get promoted. Did you know that in heaven we have jobs? It's like, <clears throat> some of you have never had one here. You're gonna, we, have, <laughs> we have jobs in heaven. You have responsibility in heaven, but it will never be, oh, I have to go to work today. That's here. That's not there. But did you know that the responsibility that you will be given in eternity is going to be based on your faithfulness here on earth? If you mess up and don't do anything with your life on earth, why would God give you some major responsibility in heaven? If you're faithful with the few talents that you have here on this earth, God's going to give you greater capacity, greater ability to serve Him for eternity in heaven. Just like on the other hand, if you waste it, you spend it, you blow the few talents you have here all on yourself. Don't expect God to give you the promotion in heaven for what you're going to do throughout all eternity. The affirmation of God, God's promotion, and the third reward is celebration. He says, come and share your master's happiness. God's saying, literally, I am smiling on you and it's party time. And let me tell you, God knows how to throw a party. And you want to be a part of that. Do you really want to be happy? Do you really want to raise your self-esteem? Do you want to feel like you're making a significant difference with your life? Then you need to find a place to serve. To start making an unselfish contribution with your life on a volunteer basis, use your talents to serve God. Whatever they are, time, talent, treasure, every, anything that God has given you, use it to start serving God by serving others. And if you do that, what happens? Matthew, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, He says. They'll be added to you. All those other things you worry about, He'll take care of them when we do His thing first. It doesn't say, seek second, third, fourth, fifth, God's thing. It doesn't say, make sure you finish your to-do list and then see if you've got any time left for ministry. That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say, fill up your schedule and then see if you've got some time for unselfish service. He says, put it first. Think of someone else first. Think of unselfishly, generously using time, talent, treasure to serve Him. And when you do that, God says, I'll take care of you. These things will be added unto you. I'm going to call the worship team up here while, while I finish up. They're just going to come up and stand up here for a second before we do the closing song. The idea is, Jesus is telling us in this story, He's telling us the principle of ownership. Anything you have, time, talent, treasure, whatever it is you have, whose is it? Do you recognize that it's his? What about the allocation? Think about what you have. You say, we don't have much. You know why you're saying that? Because you're comparing it to somebody else. 
You don't compare it to somebody else. What did God give me? The accountability principle is what am I doing with it? The utilization principle is are you wasting it? Are you just burying it? Are you not serving others? Are you not serving Him? Are you just serving yourself? The motivational principle is why are you not doing it? Because you're afraid. Who are you blaming for not serving Him? The application principle is literally what do you need more of? That's what we give. That's what we take, what little we have, and we invest it in the kingdom. And the compensation principle is you seek him first and he'll add all those other stuff, all the other things that you literally actually need. He'll take care of those things when you serve him. There's a lot at stake. Before we sing the closing song, I'd like you to watch a a very short video clip. And let's face it, when it comes to our life and it becomes what we do and how we live our life, we want it to be great, not just good. But we know this, that uh, each one of us, when it comes to the end of our life, we're going to take account of our life. God is going to ask the question, what have you done with what you've been given? And what, will it be good or will it be great? Step forward and state your name. Excuse me? Step forward and state your name. Oh. Um. Tommy? Woodard? Sometimes people spell it Woodward. (laughs) Well done, good and faithful servant. You are in the book of life. What? (laughs) Well done, good and faithful servant. You are in the book of life. Whoa. You mean I'm dead? No, no, no. No, that's, that's not possible. No, I was just at a junior high (laughs) lock-in. No, there's no way I die at a junior high lock-in. I just, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful to be here. Don't misunderstand me. I just thought, I thought I had more time. I mean, I, I was a good guy. I was a good. I was a good husband. I, I tried so hard to be a good father. Oh, I hope I was a good father. And people will say nice things about me, I know, God. But now that it's all over, God, if, if you'd let me go back, God, if I could just go back. What would you want to do if you could go back? <laughs> 